Good morning. Oh, good. Y'all were so chatty. I was hoping I would get a solid good morning from you. Welcome to Northminster Church this morning. It's a little overcast, but isn't this temperature wonderful? The two weeks we get a fall, they might actually be here. We're so glad that you are here today, whether you're here in person or online. We are honored by your presence and hope, especially for those of you who might be visiting with us today, that you will participate in all aspects of our worship service, including communion. We celebrate communion here at Northminster every week. It is the center of our service. If you uh, don't know how we take communion, there are instructions in your order of worship, or you follow the people around you, just do what they do, uh, and they won't lead you wrong. If you are in need of some uh, gluten-free wafer, we have those available as well. Just get my attention when you come up, and I'll make sure you get one of those. I also hope you will stay after worship today for a time of fellowship. We have some special treats left over from Neela Pride yesterday that you're going to want to get your hands on, some real fun Halloween cupcakes, and they need to be eaten, so please stick around and eat those things. I also want to highlight a couple of things for you uh, as far as announcements. The first is that starting October 29th, we're going to have an all-adult Sunday school class here in the sanctuary during the Sunday school hour. And we're going to be talking about Christian nationalism and how we respond to it. This is to prepare for uh, Strickland lectures that are coming up in November, which will also be about Christian nationalism. It's a big topic, and it's good for us to start some conversation now. So I hope you make plans to attend that. The Agape Meal, if you can believe it, the sign-up for that is already out. If you would like to come and join us, It's always a wonderful evening. Uh, That sign-up list is outside of my office. You will notice the price has gone up a little bit this year. As with anything, inflation affects even the agape meal. So just be aware of that. It's $8 per person, $30 cap for families, and you can put your name on that list. I also want to make you aware that our youth have been meeting consistently. We're not going to meet tonight, but have been meeting consistently. And it's always good when you feed teenagers. So, if you would be willing to make a light meal and help feed the kids, we would really appreciate the help. Uh, you can see Laura Duke. Uh, she is, she's not here today. Okay. Get in touch with her. Her number is in your order of worship. There's also a uh, sign-up list you can access through the newsletter. You can also read the newsletter while you're there. And just sign up to make something light for the kids. They don't need much, but... It helps us all concentrate when we have been fed. Yes? There you go. Excellent. Thank you, Beth. I also want to say thank you to those of you who were here yesterday for the Neela Pride Fall Festival. Even if you weren't here and you donated, however you donated, we are thankful for you. Do we have a count yet as to how many were here? Okay. 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 Good. It was a long day, especially for Megan. It was a very long day. I don't know why you're here, but I'm glad you are, because I would be sleeping if I was you. Uh, but it was a wonderful day. We had a lot of people here, wonderful vendors. We had so many baked goods. Um, so thank you to all of you who were here for that. And hopefully we can do something like it again in the future. A couple of notes about our order of worship. The first you will notice on our uh, second hymn, hymn 560, 
The choir is going to sing the first stanza, and then congregation will join in second and third stanza. This is a newer hymn for us, so we wanted you to hear it, and then hopefully um, be able to join in afterward. Because remember, God doesn't require us to make a beautiful noise. God asks that we make a joyful noise. So just make an effort. That's all we're asking. Okay, I think that is everything. So let's do this next. Let's take a deep breath. And if you're new here, if you're visiting, we do this every week. In part because for those of us who live with anxiety, this is a good calming tool. But for all people, we don't take deep breaths enough. We aren't very good at slowing down long enough to breathe. So if it helps you close your eyes, take that deep breath, breathe from your stomach, from your diaphragm, not from your shoulders, like a musician. Let your belly come out, and then as you breathe out, breathe out your to-do list. Breathe out the homework that isn't done, breathe out the laundry that never ends. Breathe in again, let that breath not only clear out your mind and slow down your racing brain, but allow it to remind you that you are loved by God just as you are. Breathe out one more time. Release whatever you brought in with you. Let's focus on worship together, and then please join me in our call to worship. Sometimes we feel like asking God, are you paying attention? Pulpit side? Go for it. <laughs> Lectern side. Pulpit? Are we paying attention? God sees, God knows, and God comes through us to respond.
young friends. How is everyone today? Good. How many of you came yesterday and got way too much candy? Yeah. Yeah, I know someone, I won't name names, left with, what, five full bags around his neck as he left yesterday. If he had tripped, he would have been in big trouble. So, I have a question for you. Now, we've done this before, but it's been about a year, which I know is a long time when you're your age. We talked last year about special words that we only use at church. Do y'all remember talking about that? Maybe a little? No. Okay. That's okay. We're going to go over it again because there are some special words we only use at church that even some of the grown-ups don't know. So I'm going to quiz you and see if you can tell me what certain things are. Now, here are the rules. You don't need to get up. You don't even need to talk, okay? So don't yell out any answers. All I want you to do is when I ask you what something is, I want you to point to it. Can you do that? Yes? Great. So point to the pulpit. What do you think, Parker? Where is it? It's this big thing right here. This is the pulpit. Okay? This is where I preach from. We read scripture from there. This is a pulpit. Point to the lectern. Where's the lectern? If you're pointing at the big gold eagle, you're right. That's the lectern over there. Okay, point to the organ. Where's the organ? Mm, That's not an organ. Do you see that big thing with the silver pieces on it that makes all the sound? That's an organ. Okay, point to where the narthex is. Oh, this one we got. Good job. That's where all the treats are. Out out there, that kind of front area where you walk in, that's called an arthex. Point to the communion table. Nailed it. We know that one. We use that every week. Now, point to, I don't know if you can even see one. Point to, if you see someone holding an order of worship. Do you see anybody holding an order of worship? Right there, they're helping you out. Good. Turn back around. Last one. You ready? There's one really close to you. Point to a hymnal. Where's a hymnal? Yeah, it's that book right there. That black book that has all the songs in it. Thank you. You all did a really good job. We'll work on the organ again next week. (laughs) But here's what's important. Because you might wonder, why do we use so many weird words at church that we don't use anywhere else? Do you use the word narthex at home? No. Do you use the word narthex at school? No. Do you use the word narthex if you go play on a playground? No. It is a specifically churchy sort of word. But that's because church is a special place. We come here and we do all sorts of things at church we don't necessarily do. The rest of the week, we talk about God, we go to Sunday school, sometimes we have snacks. You do that other times of the week. We have special dinners, we have the big event like we had yesterday. So we have sort of special words for church because church is a special place. And it's really helpful because we kind of talk a different language at church sometimes for you to learn some of those words so that when you're here, you feel as comfortable as you possibly can. Because whose church is this? It's God's church. Who else's church is it? 
It's my church. It's all of these people's churches, but who else's church is this? The choirs? Yours, it's your church. This is your church. We want you to be comfortable here. We want you to know that this is a place for you, just like it's a place for all the grown-ups. So that's part of the reason to learn these kind of funny words is so that you feel as comfortable as possible. It's the Doors Church, too. Yeah, and the chairs and the carpets and everybody else's. Yes. Does that make a little bit of sense? Okay, we're going to work on this again next week, but here's what you're going to do. Turn around, face the congregation. Please stay seated on your bottoms. Hands to ourselves. Sit up nice and tall. I will say the first line of our prayer. You say it back to me. Remember, you're leading, so you need to be pretty loud. And adults, you're welcome to join in. I see the face of God in you. I heard more grown-ups than kids. I think you can be better. Be a little louder. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of there. Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. And I am blessed to be with you. O holy child of God. O holy child of God. Amen. You can go back to your seats now. Shall they toll? Let my peace. 
Christ be free. Let my people go. Can you fail to see the truth of resurrection? Don't you remember in the book of Moses how God talked to Moses out of a burning bush and what God said to him then? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I am, God said, not I was. So God in the is not the God the God of the dead, but of the living. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Jane, and thank you. I also want to let you in on a little secret before uh, I offer this prayer. Um, and maybe I shouldn't tell you that this is how the sausage gets made, but uh, we <laughs> called, Debbie called James on Tuesday and said, hey, do you know this song? And he said, no, but I'll learn it. And you just heard the product of that. That was remarkable. Thank you. Our choral scholars do that all the time. They don't know the song, but they learn it in three days, and you would never know. So we are so blessed by these young people, our whole choir, but especially these college students who are very, very busy. So please, thank James after the service and all of our choral scholars, because we are lucky, lucky to have them. Now let's pray together. Oh God, you are a God who loves us, who leads us. You are a God who asks us to pay attention. You are a God who reaches out to us through music, through the written word, and sometimes even through burning bushes. And all you require of us is that we respond, that we respond to you, that we respond to those in need around us. And so, Lord, today we come before you offering ourselves as a vehicle to be your hands and your feet 
in a world that is in need, to people who are in pain, and even to those folks who don't know that they really like church that much. We are thankful that you give us this special place, that you have called us all together. And we ask that as we go from this place, that we continue to pay attention. We continue to look out for you. We continue to stop. When we see something that is on fire and shouldn't be, and we take action. Because we know that you will support us and love us if we even make the smallest of efforts. For that, we are thankful. We pray these things in the name of your Son, our Savior, and our friend. Amen. reading from Exodus. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that, the, that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Then God said, Come no closer. 
Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. A sacred story about God's revelation. Thanks be to God. Did y'all notice how she handled those weird words without flinching? Yes. Thank you, Jen. Let's pray together. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And may we hear a word from you today. Amen. So if you're around my age, uh, closing in on uh, 40, uh, you will remember a movie called The Prince of Egypt. Anybody remember that one? Oh yeah, it was a big deal. I'm going to hurt your feelings a little bit and tell you it came out in 1998 which doesn't seem that long ago, but it, it, it is. This movie's also been made into a Broadway play, but I think the, the movie version is better. Has an all-star cast, Val Kilmer, Ralph Fiennes, who played Voldemort, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Steve Martin, Martin Short, Jeff Goldblum, Danny Glover, Patrick Stewart, Helen Mirren. It was quite a cast. And it's a really, really well-done movie. It's not an exact retelling of the story of Moses. They do get some details wrong. But what they get right, I think, is what makes it so valuable. The music in this movie, it holds up. It is still very good. I was listening to it all week. And there's this beautiful version of Moses with the burning bush. So in the movie, Moses follows a sheep into a cave because he's a shepherd he's out with his sheep and he gets into this cave and he sees this kind of silvery burning bush there's soft kind of ethereal music playing and then the voice of God speaks 
And Moses and God pretty much follow the scriptural conversation that we just heard. It is a beautiful, artistic interpretation of the story. It makes it clear that this exchange is a holy moment in a holy space. Really, if you have not seen the movie, go watch it. it is, it's worth a watch. But in this holy moment, this holy space, this holy encounter, this is not what Moses was anticipating. He was just out being a shepherd, just doing his job. And this whole thing comes at an in-between time for him. It's an in-between place for him. He isn't in Egypt. He isn't really in Midian, where he has gone and married and is now working for his father-in-law. He's out in the wilderness somewhere, caring for sheep. He's also no longer a member of the royal household in Egypt. Remember, Moses, baby in the basket, gets taken in by the royal family. Neither is he the liberator of the Israelites he will become. Moses is not, in this moment, looking for God. And to be really honest, he doesn't even know God. And yet God comes to Moses in this in-between time, at this in-between place. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? And then God doesn't simply call to Moses. That's not the first thing God does. It's not like Jesus' baptism. You'll remember at Jesus' baptism, there's a dove that descends from heaven. They hear a voice from God. It's not like the stranger that comes to wrestle Jacob that we talked about last week or the angels that show up out of nowhere at Abraham and Sarah's home. No, God uses something that requires paying attention. He uses a burning bush. And in the movie, like I said, Moses comes into a cave. The only thing in the cave inexplicably, is this burning bush. You can't miss it. But what if, this being the Middle East, the bush was just out in the open, and it was a sunny day, and the bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning up? How many of us would maybe overlook that and keep walking? Dr. Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Amy Robertson from the Bible Worm podcast asked this question. How long did Moses have to stand looking at that bush to recognize that it was on fire? <laughs> I think that's a good question. And this is a very attention-getting method, if you're paying attention. Surely God could have chosen something clearer. Obviously, God can speak from heaven. We have seen that happen other times. But if we think about the bush as a metaphor for what was happening in Egypt. We see that God needs someone to recognize when things are on fire. God needs someone who'll pay attention. Someone who won't just walk by without reacting. Someone who will, for better or worse, intervene. Now, did you notice that as God and Moses have a conversation, God says to Moses, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and prosperous space, to a land flowing with milk and honey. That makes absolute sense. This is a God who can burn bushes without having them go up totally in flames. 
This God can do whatever she desires. Obviously, this God is powerful, but did you notice that that isn't really the plan? God isn't going to swoop all of the Israelites out of Egypt. God's going to send Moses to do it. God's deliverance is going to come through Moses. And just as it was with Jacob, what this tells us is that this isn't a God who just acts, as great as that would be sometimes. This is a God of relationship. This is a God who works through people. And it is through God's relationship with Moses, through God's presence and power in Moses, that this gargantuan task is going to happen. The story is also where we hear what scholars call the divine name for the first time, the name of God. In Hebrew, it is Asher, excuse me, it is Aye Asher Aye. Aye Asher Aye. It's from the verb to be. So it's about beingness, isness, presence. It's not an easily definable sort of name. It's often translated as I am what I am or I will be what I will be. Or specifically for this story, I found this interpretation this week and I find it very helpful. The name can also mean this. My name will become evident from my actions. My name will become evident from my actions. Remember, as I said, Moses doesn't know God. Moses grew up in Egypt. Moses grew up not with his people. He grew up not knowing who this entity is. He certainly is not familiar with this family religion. So this is an introduction. And you'd think, given that this is a first meeting, God would be a little clearer with God's own name, but this is a very vague name. Again, as Rabbi Amy Robertson says, this name sounds like a breath. Aye, a share, aye. It's not straightforward. It's not simple. And again, as with last week, there is no sticking the God that has this name in a box. Perhaps knowing this, God says to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. Now, does Moses know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Probably not, but the people will. The connection, the concreteness, the foundation of Moses' new relationship with God that he's just meeting comes from his ancestors. It's a family connection, a tradition to have this relationship with God who uses a burning bush to get your attention and then send you to do a seemingly impossible task. Now, you're probably familiar with a parable. Uh, No one knows exactly where it came from. It's sometimes called the parable of the drowning man or two boats and a helicopter. It goes like this. A major flood happens, and a devoutly Christian man is caught up in the flood. His entire house is overtaken by water, so he climbs up on his roof, seeking safety. While up on the roof, he prays to God for rescue, and about that time, a Coast Guard helicopter comes into view, looking for survivors. 
They stop to help the man. They let down a ladder. But he sends them away. Go help other people. God's going to rescue me. Continues to sit there. Water keeps getting higher. Continues to pray. Lord, please rescue me. A bit later, a police boat comes by. Stops in front of the man's house. There's plenty of room for him. Again, he refuses. God is sending someone for me. Go help somebody else. Continues to pray. More times goes by. The water is getting critically high. He is going to be in trouble soon. He is almost to the point of having to tread water. When the neighbors, who finally gotten out of their own house, come by in a kayak, they're going to go somewhere safe. There's room for him in the boat. But for a third time, he refuses. God will rescue me. Eventually, the man drowns. He arrives in heaven. He meets God and asks, why didn't you save me? I am faithful. I prayed. And God responds by saying, I sent you a helicopter and two boats. Why didn't you accept the help? The story is often interpreted as God helps those who help themselves. That is lousy theology. It is not biblical. But it is interesting to think about because if we compare that story to Moses, the point is to pay attention. The point is to see God and God's desire and God's penchant for working through other people. That's what the man missed. So here's the good news this morning. What Moses discovers about God in this story is the same thing we discover. God's nature is that of relationship. Meaning, for a second week in a row, we are talking about a story, we are discovering a story in which God is seeking someone out just as they are. Even in these sort of in-between moments in their lives. But there's an added dimension this week with Moses, and that's this. God's presence requires a response. What I mean is that when God is most present, it requires people to do the thing that we have been asked to do. When God is most present, it requires people to do the thing we have been asked to do. It requires us to get up and get moving to put our time, our resources, our hearts, and our physical space, our back lawn, and ourselves where our mouths are. When God is most present and requires us to do things, it means we need to step out in faith, even though that can be very scary because we're following where God leads us. And we don't have to be Moses. We don't have to save an entire group of people. Please don't try to do that. You're going to get worn out, and it's not probably going to go well. All we have to do, friends, is respond to God's presence. To respond to things that God is asking us to do is this. Don't increase anyone's suffering. And then be sincerely, genuinely helpful. Don't increase someone else's suffering. And be genuinely and sincerely helpful. That's it. In big ways, in small ways, in everyday ways, the way we respond to the presence of God is to not cause more harm and to help another person. That is how we embody the call of Christ as well. 
That is where that call comes from. That is what we are called to do. So I'm going to leave these questions with you. How will you respond? How will you help someone else? Are you paying attention?
we come to this time of communion, we remember this is the table of the heavenly feast. This is a joyful celebration of the people of God. Christ invites everyone to eat of the bread of life, to drink of the cup of the new covenant. For as Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am those who come to me shall never hunger. Those who believe in me shall never thirst. In the beginning, God provided every plant yielding seed and every tree with seed in its fruit for food. And then when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God fed them with the miraculous food from heaven called manna. Later, when crowds were hungry, Jesus fed over 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. And when they were together, walking toward Emmaus after Jesus' death, the disciples recognized the anointed one, their friend, as they broke bread together. This is not my table. This is not Northminster's table. This is Christ's table. We are the guest, and Christ is the host. There is a seat here with your name on it. So kick off your walking shoes and make yourself comfortable. This is holy ground. All are wanted and all are welcomed here with our doubts and our shortcomings and our failures and our griefs. No matter what you bring with you to this table, you aren't just tolerated. You are overwhelmingly welcomed and wanted. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Now, if you would, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The night before Jesus died was a solemn time around the table. Because of his relentless pursuit of love, he would be seized by those in power, but before he was taken, Jesus introduced this meal to his followers. Because he knew the end was coming, Despite that, Jesus gathered those he loved and trusted the most around him. And as the night lengthened, he took a simple portion of bread. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples saying, remember me. In the same way, as they concluded their meal, Jesus took a cup and he took wine And as he filled the cup, he reminded the disciples that he would go to the ends of the earth out of love for them. Friends, Christ does the same thing for us even today. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Okay, friends, the blessings continue. John, would you, where are you? John, come up here with me. Come on up here. As John is coming up, I have to tell you how funny this is. Uh, my maiden name is Farmer. That's John's last name, and I had an uncle named John, so this is all kind of meta for me. This is John Farmer. If you have not met him, I encourage you to do so. After worship, he is coming today to join Northminster. We are thrilled to have him here and all of the things he brings with him. Uh, not in particular his musical talent. He is a talented, talented musician. And it is a joy to have you here and to have you join us as a community of faith. So church, if you are uh, as excited as I am and willing to bring John into this special place, would you respond with the word yes? Yes. yes. I hope you heard how loud that was. <laughs> John will be out in the narthex after the service, especially if you have not introduced yourself to him yet. Please do so. We are thrilled that you are here. Thank you so much. You can go back to your seat.
I know this is unusual, but uh, I asked permission to do it. I'm not just grabbing her earphone and uh, talking. Uh, she said, okay. I forgot to invite you or have her invite all of you since she, she gave those wonderful words about the Choral Scholars. And of course, we have Mr. Justin Havard. We have our fall concert Tuesday evening, our ULM chamber singers and concert choir. And of course, Justin is our accompanist and these wonderful students sing along with about 60 more. 7.30 at Parkview Baptist Church, right up here on Forsyth. One thing different, if you're staff, faculty, or student, you get in with ID, but we started charging $5 general admission, and all I can say to that, it's about time. Thank you, 7.30 Tuesday night, please come support. I also wanted to add that this is gonna be the last time we see Megan and Amanda Proffer for a little while. Their baby boy is due on Thursday. So they are gonna be fully in new mom mode with a newborn for a little while. Please pray for them that the procedure, the C-section is as easy and painful and quick as possible. They have waited for this little guy a long time. And just hold them in prayer generally that this new season goes as smoothly as possible. And now hear this benediction. May God bless you with a distaste for superficial worship so that you will live deep within your soul. May God bless you with anger at prejudice so that you will work for justice. May God bless you with tears for those who sorrow so that you will offer comfort. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world. Go be salty. Amen. Amen.